It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors are fun again, and Emmanuel quickly seems to be one of the biggest reasons why. Let's skip our way into today's podcast. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of Hail Mary 3 by Mo Pete. Get that garbage out of here. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, January the 4th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website. That's busted at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, you can join us in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. Please come hang out. It's a great place to be. Uh, lots of nice, playful back and forth positive kind disagreement when there is disagreement it's a lovely place it's a non-toxic place to talk about the toronto raptors on the internet so come hang out again link in the description it's free to join you can also find the show for free wherever you get your podcast please follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast on the audio side of things helps us out big time when you do those things and also you can go to youtube and subscribe over there hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode which is very handy for you everydayers out there who like to hop in the chat when the episodes premiere over on youtube Go hit that bell, and uh, you'll never miss an episode when it goes live. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And we will get started on an episode breaking down a very fun 116-111 Toronto Raptors win over the Memphis Grizzlies. And we're going to do that with the God of the Game recap from Raptors Republic. It's Jamar Hines. Jamar, the Raptors are fun again, baby. They are. They are. We were supposed to actually start recording this an hour ago, but naturally... <laughs> You know, it didn't work because I, I I fell asleep because my hours were so weird. But here I am. Sorry, people. You're good, man. People don't know the podcast posts and they have no idea when it was recorded. This could be recorded yeah, at but... 6 a.m. for all they know. It's all good. But I know. <laughs> 
it's all good. I got to sit here over the last hour uh, waiting to record, just uh, going over Emmanuel Quickly highlights and getting very geeked up. Um, so we're going to talk about Emmanuel Quickly and the reintroduction of fun and three-point shooting and pull-up three-point shooting. My God, the pull-up three-point shooting. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into a really nice defensive effort from the Raptors against the Grizzlies. Stood tall as the game kind of got away from them down the stretch, but they closed it out strong. Um, and, and I think a lot of really encouraging defensive signs from the team in this game as well. We've got the good, the bad, and the hmm, but let's just begin. The man of the hour, Emmanuel Quickly. 26 points for him in this game. He goes 8 of 18, 5 of 8 from 3. A couple of just like threes that don't happen to the Toronto Raptors, or at least not in recent seasons. Uh, I'm just having an absolute ball watching this dude. We're two games in. I mean, he was like one of my faves to watch the Knicks as well, and I like like watching the Knicks. I'm a little sicko for the Knicks for some reason. Um, but seeing him do Emmanuel quickly things for the Toronto Raptors, it's very, very fun. Do you have anything in particular that kind of stood out to you from the quickly experience last night, Jamar, that really kind of uh, it just perks up the experience of watching these games? Well, it's funny because he exploded from the late second quarter on because he actually didn't start this game in ideal fashion. Uh, It felt like he was kind of, you know, timid, not knowing exactly where to get his shots or where to run the offense. And I think actually a couple of transition passes in the late of the first quarter, um, one to RJ and then one to Gary Trent Jr. to give the Raptors the lead uh, for good. I felt like that got quickly going. And he even spoke afterwards about how, you know, teammates were on him to, you know, just, you know, stop passing the shots, keep shooting. So that's basically what he did from the end of the second quarter on. And mm-hmm. you bring up the pull-up shooting. Uh, that's something that, you know, hasn't seen from a Raptor guard in, in quite a while. And Memphis didn't do themselves any favors because they kept giving him space, especially when he was coming off screens. Mm-hmm. After like the third or fourth three, it was like, okay, you guys do realize that quickly <laughs> can shoot, right? Yeah. So, yeah, quickly got good looks because of that, and it, it was surprised. It was surprising to see how Memphis played uh, his, his three point shot. Also, uh, quickly brings you know his floater game, another aspect that you haven't seen from a Raptor guard in a while. Mm-hmm. So. Those two combine, it just it brings more variety to the offense. And quickly also was, you know, getting to the paint a little bit using, you know, he has like a nice little hesitation move. Mm-hmm. Got to work on the finishing a little bit. He was one for four at the rim. But yeah, once he once he got into it and then he, I think Darko and that this seems to be Darko's um phrase he always is telling guys to have fun so once he told emmanuel quickly to start having fun and you know and and stop you know overthinking and everything yeah he really started having fun he started making those threes he started skipping down the court i was making a joke to um, to see like who was the better skipper down the court after making a three him or tyrese halliburton i think (laughs) i think um I think quickly is more of a joyful skipper where Tyrese is, you know, he's trying to be a little bit, a little bit of an ass when he's doing it <laughs> in a sense where he's really trying to rub it in. So, you know, it, whichever one you want, it's, it, it's fun in that aspect, but uh, quickly was also really poised because mm-hmm. going down the stretch, the Raptors started to blow their lead up a little bit and, you know, quickly drew a foul. He, he, uh, he stopped at the mid range area again, questionable defense but had an open look there but Mm -hmm. 
we this quickly is basically showing you what he did last season because last season with the Knicks, he started 21 games. Mm-hmm. He averaged 22 and five mm-hmm. off like 46 from the field, 40 from three. So this is just an extension of what quickly could already do once he gets those starters minutes. And to be honest, when he started the first game on New Year's Day against the Cavs, I was kind of surprised. I thought that they would ease him, ease him in a little bit more. Um, but once I saw that he was starting right away, it's like, okay, he's taking mm-hmm. this position and he's running with it. So it's great yeah. to see. It's an absolute blast, man. Yeah, the the joyfulness he plays with is extremely palpable. It just makes the watching of a random Toronto Raptors game on a January Wednesday night that much more fun and entertaining. And yeah, the, the way that he can bend a defense, that is just something this team has been screaming out desperately needing over the course of this entire season with no Fred Van Vliet there as their pull-up agent. And I would argue quickly is probably a little bit more dynamic as a pull-up guy and just sort of a, in general, just like a dynamic, you know, guy who can get into the teeth of the defense and make things happen, whether for himself or for others than Fred really was by the time he left the Raptors. Uh, And that's a really, really thrilling thing, man. And I think for me, the most exciting part of this game is we saw the first little sprinklings of the Scotty Barnes and Emmanuel Quickly duo and the power of that, I think. Um, in particular, the Raptors in the third quarter of this game, they're up big. Uh, the Grizzlies go on a bit of a run to cut it to 80 to 70. Darko calls a timeout. They come out, and right away, you get an Emmanuel Quickly three uh, that is created. You get a you know Scotty up at the top. Boucher sets a pin down for him. Quick passover. Very easy, very simple basketball. Nice out of timeout set. And you get that quickly three. Then quickly has the ball. He drives. He draws two. He kicks to Scotty. Again, very simple basketball and a three there. And quickly's kind of fingerprints were all over that third quarter bounce back after they gave up that first run. Of course, they gave it all back again in the fourth quarter. But um, he just he really draws a ton of attention because he can get downhill so quickly. It sort of induces panic mode for the defense. And then you get him in rotation. And when you have a guy like Scotty Barnes, who's there as like a, a screener or just a spacer or whatever it might be. Those two guys, their gravity like intertwines the same way like two planets passing each other intertwines and it just like screws up what the defense is doing. And that's just the dynamic we have not seen on the Raptors. And I don't think Scotty and Fred really ever found that type of simpatico either. It was just kind of a different style of offense we saw last year. And man, like this offense might actually have a shot of being decent to good. They've already kind of been on the uptick over the last month or so going into last night, they were 13th in the NBA in offense over the last 15 games, which is very nice. Um, You know, I don't think they climbed all that much in this game. They had a tough close to the game. That wasn't like their best offensive night or anything like that, but um, they left a lot of meat on the bone too, right? Some Yaka Pirtle bunnies. I think the, the Grizzlies are just like a really sort of resistant team at the rim. And so there was a lot of low hanging fruit left out there. Like there's a lot to tap into here and some stuff that they can kind of refine and improve going forward. And yeah, quickly, it's just, uh, man, it's just, it's so fun to watch a dude do what he does. He had the possession as well. Like, I think the the Yaka Pirtle post, uh, post up stuff, or not the post up, but like the post operation stuff or high post operation, the elbows, that's going to be more effective having a quickly working off of him. And there was that possession early in this, in the second half where quickly, kind of just darts through a little bit of space um, and, and sort of improvises a quick little dribble handoff with Pirtle and ends up with a pull-up three. It's a, it's a new dynamic, man. I made the comparison to it, it's just like kind of jumping into a hot tub after being in minus 40-degree weather. <laughs> it's just like, ooh, it's, it's soothing the bones and making me feel good to have this kind of dynamism from the lead guard on this team. And, uh, man, 
we're only two games in and I am fully quickly pilled, which is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, we're going to come back, Jamar, get back into some other stuff from this game that was encouraging, including Jakob Pertl, five blocks. Is the Great. revival undergoing uh, or be, being undergone? I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Uh, the words are hard. I'm very excited about the Toronto Raptors. We're going to talk about the defense, which had some pretty strong, encouraging stretches in this one coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we're obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Therapy helps you find your strengths and give so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that can really stick in your day-to-day life. I know a lot of people who have really benefited from therapy, and it's just nice to have someone to talk to, to bounce things off of, to figure out what your motivations are, what the things are that drive you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. That's huge. Sometimes you don't click with the person right away and you need to find someone else who works a little bit better for you. With BetterHelp, you can do that with no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedInMBA today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. Slash locked on NBA, betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com, slash locked on NBA. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. And we continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Breaking down the Toronto Raptors, who are now 2-0 after a 116-111 win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, 2-0. The, the rest of the season doesn't count. The season is two games old, <laughs> undefeated. You'll love to see it. Um, let's talk about the defense in this one. Obviously, defense has been way more of the sore spot for this team over the last month, month and a half uh, than offense has been. Offense, they've been steadily improving. The sort of the, the, the system seems to be producing some pretty decent results. Of course, the defense fell on really hard times. They obviously, OG Ananobi down the stretch, it seemed like maybe the effort was waxing and waning, seemingly with the writing on the wall that a move was coming. Um, we know Dennis Schroeder, as a point of attack guy in the starting lineup, was really, really kind of leaving his bigs on an island, getting blown by um, basically every time, getting hung, hung up on screens. Really, really tough stuff from him. And in this game against the Grizzlies, I think we saw some pretty encouraging signs on the defensive end. You know, we talked about quickly... Dude is a very good point of attack defender, and I think that makes life a lot easier for a guy like Jakob Pertl, who has a little bit of an easier time sort of navigating the space between as the drop big when the guard is able to stick with the lead ball handler and just kind of give a little bit of extra pressure coming in from the back. And I think we saw in this game just like a really nice return to form for what Jakob Pertl can be as the backline rim protector for this team, something we saw last year as well, even with Fred Van Vliet in kind of a decayed state as a, as a point of attack defensive player. Uh, what were your impressions of Jakob Pertl in this game? Seven points, eight boards, two assists. He had the five blocks and a steal, 
just two of seven we mentioned. Um, missed some bunnies that he typically has been hitting at like a 70% rate this season. Not very worried about that. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to cause that to happen sometimes. But uh, where are you at on the Yaka Pirtle revival? Are you believing after two games? Yeah, numerous thoughts on the defense. First of all, Pirtle seems to be rejuvenated after this trade because with he had been basically not closing games. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the third game in a row where he's played over 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that hadn't happened since like late November. His minutes had been consistently in the low 20s. You'd seen the Raptors go to different other options to, to finish games, whether they go small, whether they did use Precious Achua, uh, Darko after, I don't remember which game, but basically even said that he has to, you know, he's going to have to talk to Diaka Pirtle and, you know, try and turn the corner with him and things like that. And Darko hasn't really, I, don't, I wouldn't say that's calling somebody out, but he mm -hmm. hasn't really mentioned anybody in a negative state. Uh, in a negative way all season. Sure. I felt like that's probably the most he's done in terms of letting it be known that, you know, someone is not playing well. Well, with the Raptors having a thinner front court, because, you know, John Tame Porter got some minutes yesterday and he played well. And then mm -hmm. you have, and then you have Boucher. Jakob's been required to play more minutes. And it felt like, it feels like this has been a confidence boost for him, knowing that, you know, he's not going to get yanked or for smaller lineups or anything like that. So now he has 11 blocks over the last three games. Mm -hmm. uh, this is including the Detroit game where obviously Detroit happened and, you know, the Raptors had a shorter bench. So since these last three games, yeah, he has 11 blocks. He gets five in this game. Um, you, you, you're right about quickly being a, a better point of uh, attack defender, and that helps Jakob, you know, get back and recover and, it makes Jakob look better, but also give a, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to RJ Barrett because please do. He, yeah. Yeah. He was a really competing defensively in this game, especially in the first half. I feel, I felt like both him and Jakob set, set the tone in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and RJ was a big time perimeter pet, the pest in this game. And I'm learning about quickly as a defender, because to be honest, I did not know anything about him defensively before this trade but sure. i'm definitely seeing the difference when uh quick quickly is appointed to uh, attack defender as opposed to dennis and yeah the raptors what over the last month before this had probably been one of the five worst or if not five it's just slightly above that worst defensive teams in the league mm -hmm. uh obviously og uh Probably, you know, like you said, they said that trade had been in the works since um, he was the last time they had played the Knicks. So sure. if he knew any wind of that, I could. And I had mentioned that the last time I was on the pod saying, you know, is there something up with OG because his defense seems to be falling off just from just from an eye test, not even looking at any numbers. Mm -hmm. And you see now, now that he's back in now that he's in New York, you know, he's back to his all NBA defender type self. So. It's just that that had actually been the Achilles heel for the Raptors over the last month because offensively, especially in the half court, things have been going up and up. The three-point shooting has been going up. Uh, as Pascal Siakam specifically, he had been shooting like 45% from three over the last month as opposed to 19% to begin the season. <laughs> so, yeah, the – the assumed thing was to look at the offense and be like, oh, that's the reason the Raptors had, you know, been struggling, but that hadn't been the case at all. So mm -hmm. if they could, if, you know, this kid, if 
quickly and RJ can help with the perimeter defense and, you know, have Yak doing his typical center things and not trying to have to, you know, patch a bunch of different band-aids on a, di- a bunch of different places. It's a great thing. Yeah, for sure. I, I think to defensively in this one for the Raptors, I, they probably could have had an even better night if not for Zaire Williams and Jaron Jackson Jr. having insanely hot three-point shooting nights. Like I think the right. base of their defense against Desmond Bain and John Morant in particular was pretty sound, all told. They gave up just 52.8% at the rim in this game. They gave up just 2 of 11 from the short mid-range. Like that speaks to... Uh, you know, just the extra sort of resistance that Jacoperto was providing, obviously. I, I think there's, and yeah, your point to RJ Barrett as well. He was nasty in this game. And that dude just seems like kind of miserable to play against. He's just all bumps and elbows and a little bit of nasty. And, you know, I, I think there's also the element too, like they seem to be playing over the last couple of games, a little bit more connected with a little bit more joy, a little bit more sort of uh, just the stuff that binds a team together, that's going to translate very well on the defensive end. If you're playing connected and for one another, it sounds very corny and like high school coachy, but sometimes it's just true. Like defense is very largely tied to effort and like just deciding that you want to play defense. And maybe that's been a a bit of a revitalization over these last couple of games with the trade as well. Um, You know, again, you mentioned IQ one thing for him, Dude just like seems to be a really, really good shot contester. He had that block on Kennard in the corner, um, yeah. but also just like seems to cover a ton of ground. He can sit back on a guy and still cover enough ground to put up a real contest. It's a it's a nice little tool to have as a, as a point of attack guy. I'm uh, loving the quickly defensive experience as well. And yeah, hopefully this can translate into Jakob Pertl being a little bit more reliable. And if nothing else, I think Jakob Pertl's offense is really going to benefit from quickly as well, right? And just the, the general revitalization of Yak with a pull-up shooting guard with gravity. Um, you know, quickly is an incredible pick and roll scorer. We know this. He was 1.18 points per possession um so far this season, and that's 98th percentile in the NBA. It's pretty ridiculous. And then Yaka Pertle, even with outplaying with the type of player who amplifies him best, still a 1.37 points per possession guy as a role man per NBA.com. That puts him in the 84th percentile. You put those two guys together now, and I think you're going to be cooking with some gas. I- I'm uh, I'm pretty thrilled about um, you know what the whole quickly yak thing can mean on both ends of the floor, really, but some really good stuff on the defensive end in particular. One more point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we've talked a lot about how, you know, quick, quickly's uh, been a better defender than Dennis in the starting lineup. And if you just look at the starting lineup as a whole, because Scotty's had a really good defensive season, Pascal can still be a great defender when he tries. Yeah. And Particularly he, as like a guy who can stay in front of slippery wings and guards, right? We saw a little bit of that last night. Yeah. And hmm. if you have RJ playing this pest level defense, as opposed to Gary Trent Jr., who's a guy that you can attack, if you swap mm-hmm. that into starting lineup as well, you really don't have a weak spot if this is how they're going to play defensively. Again, small sample size, you're playing not a great offensive team, so you got to mm-hmm. see a little bit more of that. But if you just look at the starting five on paper, and if they're, if they're playing that way, and there's no really weak spot that you can just single out and attack, then their defensive numbers should be way better. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm. Uh, There's just sort of a better collective, some of its parts type of defense. Obviously, no one has the upside that OG had, and they're going to miss that surely at some point when yeah. some big wing creator is going off against them. But as far as just like a collective group of guys who fit together on defense, this feels a little bit more 
like a, a group that can create that shell and create that sort of wall of impenetrability that they didn't really have with the guard defense they're rolling out there. Um, like that's a Matt, that's a really good point, man. Gary Trent Jr. and Dennis Schroeder together, probably among the worst defensive guard duos in the league this season. Quickly and Barrett, a pretty substantial upgrade, even if Barrett has his moments defensively where he's not so awesome. Last night certainly did not feature many of those. We will come back on the other side, get to the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out today's episode in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. And the NFL regular season might be wrapping up, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you simply place a $5 bet. That's it. You just got to put down $5. You're going to get 150 bucks in bonus bets in return. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And you can use those bonus bets on all sorts of different things within the FanDuel app. You have live same game parlays. Frankly, that's my favorite way to put money down in a game. It's pretty low stakes. You put a couple bucks down, you put together three different things that might happen. If you get all three, you're going to win back a pretty decent amount of money back. It's my favorite thing to do when I go to a sporting event, have a little same game parlay of the players involved in that game add a little juice to be in there in person you can also find bets in the new explore tab you can make a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays and more including player props you know betting lines all that different stuff it's all there for you so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel an official partner of the nfl and of the locked on podcast network the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we round out the show here with Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic. Just a reminder, Locked On Sports Today 24-7 is our brand new 100% all-day 24-7 streaming channel with all the Locked On shows, the national shows covering the biggest stories, and of course the local shows covering the biggest stories with the local experts' insights as well. Go check it out. You'll be directed right there after you're watching this video, if you are watching the video. You'll get directed over to Locked On Sports today, 24-7. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that good stuff, and you will have content to uh, carry you throughout your entire workday. I think that's kind of the best way to uh, to use the 24-7 channel if you're a sports head, so go do that. All right, the good, the bad, the hmm, the way we end every single episode of the Raptor of this podcast after a Raptors basketball game, a thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, a thing that's got us a little intrigued from the most recent effort from your Toronto Raptors. Let's go to the good. Jamar, what you got for your good? Okay, so this is kind of weird because um, some of my goods will have a little bit of bad sprinkled into it, so it's gonna, okay. I'm going to kind of come back to it. But the first good that I want to bring up, and it's not just this game, it was last game as well, but RJ brings a slashing ability to the Raptors that they haven't had. Uh, he, you, he, what is he, 6'6", 215 or something like that? And yeah. it, feels, it feels like he uses all of that to, you know, find ways to just bully his way to the rim. He drew a bunch of fouls in the, in the Cavs game. He, I think he was six for eight from the line. Uh, not as much this game, but 
in terms in terms of bringing variety to the offense, uh, that that's an element the Raptors haven't had. Uh, Dennis Schroeder had another good game off the bench. He he just looks a lot better in his role off the bench as opposed to starting. Um, he had one hell of a pass to RJ in the fourth quarter where he was mm-hmm. driving and he kind of went he kind of jumped and went behind the back uh, to go for the ball to go around to two Grizzlies to find RJ in the corner wide open. To, uh, it's always fun when a pass off. makes no sense when you see it. In yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I have no idea how he found RJ there. But uh, those guys in terms of what, what they're bringing offensively in, in that sense were my good. And I'll get to my bad in a little bit. So what's your good? My good is Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam not having to do everything to drag the offense somewhere, right? I feel like yep. over the last little while, it's just been like you, you run a possession, and if Dennis Schroeder is running it, you want to throw your uh, like your laptop out the window because it's just like, can we just have the two guys who create good offense run stuff? And like that's a predictable way to play basketball. It's an easy thing to guard to have – two guys who everyone knows are the agents of good offensive process when they are initiating. And now they have more than that. They have different things they can lean on. Like I think I mentioned the Yaka Pirtle, Emmanuel quickly pick and roll. Like I have absolutely no problem with that being like a staple play late in games for this team. It's going to create good stuff. It's going to weaponize Scotty as a second side guy, as a guy who can catch and shoot and, and, you know, punish closeouts. That's really, really exciting to me. I think you've seen, obviously, um, you know, Yaka Perto working from the elbows works a lot better with Emmanuel quickly working out there too. RJ Barrett, you can throw the ball to him and say, hey, just go drive and barrel, maybe get some free throws, maybe finish a bucket. Like that's a nice little bailout thing as well. And Siakam and Barnes are, A, not being taxed so aggressively. They can pick their spots a little more effectively and find defenses that are tilted where they can exploit that a little bit more, which is not something they've gotten to do in the last couple seasons here. So uh, that for me is the is the big positive for me from this game. What is your bad? Okay, so going back to one point I got to make about both RJ and Dennis. Starting mm-hmm. with RJ, uh, RJ and Dennis are kind of the same. The point I'm trying to make is kind of the same in knowing when. Yeah. In RJ's case, it's knowing when to take the full take to the rim because yeah. – he kind of reminds me of OG in the sense where they'll get that tunnel vision and when they're driving, they don't see anybody else. And OG was very susceptible to picking up offensive fouls, just barreling people over. And mm-hmm. RJ kind of does that in the same way where once he makes up his mind to get to the rim, it doesn't matter who's there, which could be a gift and a curse. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of instances where he just drove into the paint when, you know, a, a, a pull up, a mid range pull up would have been better, or finding a teammate would have been better. Uh, he's had quite a few turnovers doing this, even in the first game. And yeah, with RJ, I feel like I feel like that's something we're gonna have to get used to. But he does need to be better at figuring out when to fully take it to the rim or to do something else. Because yeah. you know, if, if if team if teams know that's what you're gonna do, they're gonna prepare themselves for that. And he just needs he just has to know that and not just try to get to the rim you know, at all costs every single time. Uh, with Dennis, uh, he closed this game when mm-hmm. RJ was starting to be erratic. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Dar- Darko made the switch there. And I could see Dennis closing a lot of games. And I could see Darko running the two-point guard lineup with him and quickly in a lot of ways how you saw Kyle and Fred a few seasons ago sure. with two, you know, playmaking point guards. Here's the thing, though. If he's going to close games, 
the offense should still be run through Scotty and Pascal as much as possible. 100%. I feel I feel that the offense got kind of bogged down, you know, when Siakam was in the game late and he had Desmond Bain on him a bunch and he couldn't get the ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there was at least one example of, you know, Dennis waving him off and that isn't ideal. You still want the offense to run through your two best players. And that's been the whole story with Dennis starting in the first place and why people have not wanted him to start. And even him being to going to the bench and Darko saying they wanted to feature Scotty more. I just felt like the late in the fourth quarter, Pascal could have gotten the ball. There was possessions where he could have gotten the ball and he had been on him. And luckily, Scotty started. I think Bain started to guard Scotty, and Scotty took advantage of that matchup. But Pascal had 24 points on only 14 shots this game, and mm-hmm. there was opportunities for him to do more. It's just been weird, and this has been a pattern where in the fourth quarter, sometimes they can't even find him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think I actually kind of liked the move to take RJ out. Yeah, me too. Stretch. Me too. And Dennis obviously had that big bucket where you know he kind of walked in and threw it off glass and finished. That was nice. But yeah, I agree. His decision making can be a little bit suspect in those situations. Frankly, I think the closing lineup that I'd like to see is quickly Trent, Siakam, Barnes, Pirtle. Um, and that's another option. To, yeah. yeah, just to kind of get a little bit more shooting. It'll depend on the matchup. Obviously, I think they'll probably close small with Barnes at the five sometimes. But yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and my bad actually kind of goes in line with RJ. Um, just the playmaking in the reads or slash lack thereof, uh, I, I think that's definitely going to be sort of the limiting factor for the RJ Barrett experience, frankly. Yeah. You know, the, the threes will wax and wane, I'm sure. Two of five in this game, you can't complain about that. Um, but I do think there are just a lot of passes that he just doesn't see or, or just kind of misses, right? Or even when he sees the pass, he kind of tries to dart it into too close of, uh, of quarters. There was one possession, for example, where um, he has the ball kind of at the nail. And quickly he's kind of wide open. If he just like pitches it back to him for a wide open three, he misses that pass and tries to dart one into Yak under the basket where Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of lurking and it's a turnover. Um, that kind of stuff, you know, th- look, RJ Barrett is going to come. This is the promise. We talked about it with Gavin Shaw earlier this week. RJ Barrett is going to be a frustrating watch at times. There are going to be very high highs and very low lows. There are going to be moments where it's a little frustrating. And I think a lot of that frustration is going to stem from the, the playmaking and the reads. That said, there was one really nice sequence in this game where I was pretty impressed with a read Barrett made. Uh, Scotty was in the left corner. This was in the second half as well, maybe in the third quarter. Um, Scotty's in the left uh, corner. He gets doubled. He swings it up to Barrett, kind of ripping around a screen. Barrett catches and like instantly fires underneath the Siakam for an easy bucket. And I was like, yeah. okay, more yeah. of that. We're cooking. This will no longer right. be in my bad if there's more of that. Um, what do you got for your hmm to round things out? My hmm is Jonte Porter. He played for the first time this season for the Raptors, and he'd been really tearing it up in the G League for the 905, averaging like 19 and 9 and 4 assists and two and a half blocks and making, what, 68% of his threes. So he brings a different element. He can space the floor when he's in the game. And also, he didn't make a shot in this game. He was 0 for 2. But I thought he did a really impressive job defensively for the seven-minute stint that he played. So. Darko has already mentioned that, you know, they're going to keep giving him more opportunities to play. So that's a good sign. And yeah, I just, I just want to see more of what he can bring because 
he brings a different element for a big. You know, you have Pirtle in a lot, and Pirtle's not a guy that can space the floor, but Jonte Porter can. So mm-hmm. just having that element off the bench because their front court needs a little bit of help after this trade. So if Jonte can help, yeah, I want to see more of that. Yeah, definitely. I think if you can get a combined performance like you got last night from Porter and Boucher, I think you're you're probably laughing. You know, Porter, obviously, I think the limiting factor for him is the defense, right? Like, he's not the most spry guy. No. Obviously, he's shown he can shoot, but thought he was pretty effective holding up as a, as a drop big last night in a couple of instances, right? And if you can get that for a couple stretches against second units, doesn't seem like too tall of an order for a guy like Porter, who does, in theory, offer a little more offensive punch than he showed last night where he was 0 for 2. I, hmm, it's already happening. They're 2-0. and 0. I'm looking at the standings and wondering, hmm, how far can the Raptors climb up this Eastern Conference over the backstretch of this season? Do we see some kind of 2013-14 heater where they go on a run and just elevate themselves up the standings over the course of the back half of the season. Uh, look, they got a tall order. They're five games back right now of the six seed. That's not insurmountable necessarily if they play extremely well and some teams come back to earth a little bit, which we're seeing the magic coming back to earth. Paolo Bancaro not shooting 48% from three or whatever. Uh, a little bit of uh, offensive issues going on there, of course, with Orlando. The Cavs have been really banged up, of course, and they seem to have like just sort of faint hints of season from hell vibes, frankly, with the number of guys they've had in and out of the lineup. They've never had their whole group together. I don't believe the Nets or the Hawks or the Bulls as currently constructed are as good as the Toronto Raptors are now as currently constructed. And I think at minimum, ninth feels basically like it's going to happen for this Raptors team. And anything beyond that, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that one of Indiana, Orlando, Cleveland kind of falls back and makes you know an eight seed possible even. So um, we'll see. That's my hmm, is already watching the standings and seeing how far the Raptors can climb here. They are tied in the loss column with the nine-seeded Brooklyn Nets. So seems uh, pretty reasonable that they could go and make that jump considering the Nets look like absolute hot trash right now. <laughs> in addition to the hot trash, we know that the Bulls and the Hawks are. Uh, so, although, shout out to the Hawks. Jalen Johnson, maybe not going to be traded for Pascal Siakam after last night's game against the Thunder. Um, if, uh, if, you're, if you're that kind of person who's rooting for that to happen, I'm sorry for your misfortune. Um, we'll leave it there, though. Jamar, thanks so much for hanging, man. It's fun to talk about a fun basketball team, man. Do you have anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Yeah, I have a recap of this game on Raptors Republic right now. If you go to my Twitter link, JamarBH, there's a Raptors Republic link there, and you can find all my work there. So there's a recap to this Kings game. I mean, um, recap to this. What who did they what's wrong? With Grizzlies. Me? Yeah, the That's Grizzlies. <laughs> recap to this Grizzlies game. I had the Kings in my head because I actually have a second hmm. The Raptors have won two games in a row for the first time since November 24th. Pizza all, party, baby. Look up your favorite what, pizza parlors in Sacramento. What's happening? <laughs> we all know what happens after that third game. It is interesting how this turned from a Darko dinner to a pizza party. Someone had posted that funny picture <laughs> of the, the, the classroom pizza with, with Darko and Messiah and all the little kids as Raptors. It's funny how that just randomly turned from a dinner to a pizza. But either way, they win that game. That's three in a row. So I have a preview for that game coming up uh, tomorrow. And then I'll also have a recap for that game, the Kings game on Saturday. And Raptors-Kings games are normally fun, especially in Sacramento. I feel like the Raptors have kind of like a bit of success in Sacramento. Even in years where they'd be struggling walking in, they still find a way to win a game in Sacramento. So it should be fun. 
Hundred uh, percent. Uncle Vito's slice of New York in Sacramento. Uh, watch out! The Toronto Raptors are coming to you <laughs> on Friday night. We will leave it there. As always, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Uh, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, all of that good stuff. It's always appreciated. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Extend Pascal Siakam now. Bye bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.